Welcome to Kenobi, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the Outer Rim. My name is Matt, and joining me is Pete. Hello there, Pete. Hello there, Matt. Hello, listeners. Kenobi, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek for Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 5 comes to you now. Pete, around the multiple galaxies of geeky goodness, uh, we, of course, are continuing to podcast Ms. Marvel, uh, whose second episode we covered yesterday, a delightful effervescent adventure. So odd to think we're already a third of the way through that series. The only thing that could be worse is if you had only one episode left, like, oh no, Obi-Wan Kenobi. But Pete, I will keep my spirits up. Tomorrow we'll be talking Strange New Worlds, episode 107, uh, as we continue. Not one, not two, but three, you know, uh, e-ticket shows that we are podcasting each and every week, at least for these three weeks where they all overlap. Yes, the middle week of our June boon here. Going to finish up strong the following week. But back to this other galaxy, Matt, not the Star Trek uh, universe, where uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in theaters. I I still can't believe it. You told me, as the first time I'd heard of it, you told me right before we started to record. Uh, so the notion that they're going to take these six episodes and put them together in one offering, that sounds like a story I want to experience. A limited run, from what I understand. I saw in one place a uh, June 22nd, which is the day the finale airs date. I don't know that that's necessarily the case, but I guess. Um, I would also say, too, and I'm not, I'm not saying that what I'm about to say is an attempt for cold water. Um, if they're going to do it theatrically it's going to end up on Disney plus too. So if dear listener, you're like, do I want to pay for this thing? I already pay for with my Disney plus account, but it does sound like a cool thing to experience sight unseen. I would just say, give it some time. It's going to show up on Disney plus too. I think they have done that with some of the other, whether it's the star Wars uh, anime or maybe some of the Lego star Wars stuff where, you know, frankly, it's easy enough to go, here's the file where they're all together. And then there's only one set of credits. And it's at the end, like it's not an impossible thing to do, but I am, I am there to see this as one offering in uninterrupted. That sounds like a fantastic idea. We've been Obi wandering through these star Wars. Here's what we saw. Pete, this episode opens with a content warning. Now, on the one hand, particularly in light of uh, recent and tragic events, I think better to err on the side of caution. I would point out it is so vague that if one has particular content concerns, whatever it might be, okay, fine, we know in this episode it's violence directed towards children and at a, at a school of sorts, no less. Um, you, you know, if you are sensitive to that sort of thing, the content warning doesn't kind of give you any heads up like, ooh, this is an area of difficulty for me. I should watch carefully or, or that sort of thing. So I personally take points off, not for having the warning, but for not actually warning people that there might be particular content that could be challenging uh, or difficult or, or something that they don't want to deal with at this time. 
they have retroactively added the same exact warning to uh, part one. It is not in front of any of the other parts. That makes sense given that Order 66 flashbacks have only been seen in those two episodes. I give them credit for including the warning. Um, I think maybe a little specificity might apply. Not so specific as like the Netflix ones that get rated for things like fear. Um, ultimately, it's a, I mean, it, it's a difficult situation, no doubt, that they have to deal with. That they made this scripted pretend thing that references, among other things, a movie made 15 years ago. And then, unfortunately, real life has elements that sound similar. But the warning is there. Pete, can you take us to the olden days? The gleaming galactic Senate apartment complex stands out on the surface of Coruscant as the silhouette of Padawan Anakin Skywalker turns to face with brow furrowed his master Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Jedi Temple. Matt, I had the slightest problem right on the first turnaround of Hayden Christensen. The, the brow kind of took me out. The rest of it, however uh completely bought i i think they don't need to do some sort of fancy eight million dollar de-aging deep fake thing for a guy who's what 41 or whatever he just turned 41 okay so i so probably 40 when the filming like they don't need to go above and beyond 21 when he played in attack of the clones yeah could they in my mind maybe have done a little more uh, perhaps but you know what they make the decision and they go with it and if you want to like be astonished that george didn't shoot this in australia in 2002 to be used in a tv show 20 years later like there's a certain point where you say it's okay that it's not <laughs> that it was not shot concurrently and saved in the vault. Like, like, like it's okay. We're getting the return and perhaps the the final scenes of Padawan Anakin. Uh, it's all a welcome addition. Uh, we of course also have uh, younger Obi Wan there, the hair longer, uh, and Obi Wan. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, uh, and, and Pete, they're getting ready to to spar with those lightsabers. They are. Uh, Anakin has both hands. So this is before the end of Attack of the Clones. But he knows where Padme is in the Senate building. So this takes place at some point during Attack of the Clones. Clearly, the sparring match that they are planning for is going to be fun. Yes. As we see it throughout the episode, it, it turns it a tad dark, but they're getting ready for fun cut to modern ish day Vader. Who's not having fun. Uh, looking out the window there. Uh, Pete, is this the same star destroyer that he's always on? I know there was a, a, a the captain of it was referenced in the credits. As... This is not his super star destroyer uh that we see him on in the empire strikes back the executor this is random hey we we gave you the keys to this star destroyer uh told here by an officer that the third sister is there uh vader um uh welcomes her 
and she says what a great honor it is to be invited aboard, but he's not interested in civilities. He wants to know where Kenobi is. The tracker worked, and he's arriving on Jabim. Vader tells her to kneel and calls her Grand Inquisitor as the officer puts the badge on her. He then tells the captain to set a course for Jabim at once. We see a a modest transport ship landing on Jabim. It is, of course, you know, the one from the <laughs> the last episode pulling into a landing bay. What with the the uh, the roof opening up there, the nascent rebels are there. Roken is there as well. There's happiness in the group that Leia has been saved. And Pete, there's more good news. Okay, Haja is there, having been uh, turned toward this group. And now that he's a wanted man, wanted by the Empire. Like a real Jedi. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, He also says it's a good business opportunity, which is... uh, Pete, I almost feel like there's a... Is there a place in Star Wars for some sort of lovable rogue, the (laughs) anti-hero who doesn't have powers, but is is street smart? I feel like this is something that that the storyline could use moving forward. Well, listen, uh, you know, I collect the, uh, the the little Star Wars figures and uh, the minute there's a Haja Estri one available, uh, oh, it will be mine. Um, For Kenner, it's a good business opportunity as well, as it turns out. <laughs> Kenner, Hasbro, whatever. But Obi-Wan needs to get Leia to Alderaan on Roken's transport, but he's got to get all the people who have waited for months out of there. There is a droid that looks like it's built upon a top there, Matt, which uh, interestingly won the Build My Droid contest and appears here in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, So not a bad deal. Uh, Don't forget that, you know, a lot of the droid uh, building that went on in recent Star Wars was uh, farmed out to recreational droid builders and uh there you go winds up on screen wow that's a uh that's a fun that's a that's a fun little footnote there um we of course have kenobi saying that he will do whatever he can do to help get these people out of here uh and roken tells all be ready to leave soon it's almost like they know pete there's going to be you know a, a foot against their back uh, we go back to Vader on the ship in hyperspace. Um, cool moment here. Actually, I'd be interested to see in the behind the scenes is, are they standing in front of the LED wall? Because there were some really great reflections on the mask and so forth. But uh, more importantly, the ship is approaching Jabim. Vader calls for a lockdown uh, and is not worried about the fact that it might take days for the local folk to break um that's because there's many plans afoot yes they don't need them to break just obi-wan lola leaves a bag and heads to the server room obi-wan reads graffiti that says the light will fade but is never forgotten he then sees discarded lightsabers and picks himself out a cloak Lola closes the hangar door overhead and Sully tells Obi-Wan the controls aren't 
responding. Roken tells them a Star Destroyer has just arrived in orbit, and Talus says Reva must have tracked them, but Obi-Wan senses Vader, who he predicts will attack next because he lacks the patience for a siege and is backed up by his memory. Uh, indeed, good use of the uh, the flashback scenes here. Uh, Anakin being told that he should not be so aggressive, defend life, do not take it. Uh, but of course, Anakin retorting that uh, he is playing to win. Uh, and as for Kenobi, he has lost. We go back to the present time where overhead, Vader calls for the attack to commence and two small ships launch. Uh, we're going to see a bit more clearly later. Those are those are your standard troop carriers. We've seen them uh, before. Uh, and on Jabim, Kenobi calls for everyone to listen. Uh, he starts with the bad news. Pete, you are scared. The attack is coming. They are stronger than us. They are better equipped. But we don't need to fight them. We just need to hold them off uh, to launch all of you out. Uh, Roken says it will take four hours, uh, to hack his way out. <laughs> Kenobi rather, uh, directly says you have one Pete. This is Our episodes even... aren't four hours long. Roken, you get, you get part of one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think you are a chief engineer in star Trek? Just, just do it in the one hour. Um, they're, they're going to defend together and hopefully by the time the baddies get here, uh, all his goodies will be gone with that. Let's move. As those transports descend, the refugees harden the target. Ned B and the top droid uh, weld uh, a barricade into place. And then led by a pair of Imperial Purge troopers, a squad of stormtroopers streams out of the transports and takes position with a loading uh, uh, of a heavy cannon. Reva's shuttle lands. And they make room for her, and she screams for them to fire the cannon. Uh, Peter, are we going to get another behind-the-scenes thing where, you know, little, modest, independent studio Lucasfilm says, we couldn't possibly make extra Stormtrooper outfits, so we had to get, you know, uh, the, the, the 501st volunteers to come on in and, and stand there for us, because how could we possibly make all this stuff? Are we going to get that in the behind-the-scenes? <laughs> I don't know. I, I hope not. I have a bad taste in my mouth from the 501st, the time uh, for a, a day camp, Matt. We we wanted to get a couple and it was like, you need to first make a, uh, a charitable gift in excess of this number to this charity and then we'll consider it. Uh, this is... Pete, this is an unscripted moment here. I actually have a similar story where I reached out wow. and reached out and reached out for a similar thing. Hey, I understand it would be to be a charitable donation. Hey, it would be for a, a Friday afternoon and finally being told Friday afternoon, we have jobs. We couldn't possibly do that. Uh, okay, sorry. I thought you could maybe volunteer some of your time and dress up as stormtroopers and we'll make a donation to like, you know, the, 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 the children's cancer fund in your name like i thought that's what we were all doing here pete but i digress let's talk about the real stormtroopers here okay pete they brought a big gun this is when i pause and you tell me what kind of gun it is uh sully tells us it's a heavy gun it's not one i've ever seen named before <laughs> oh. and it's trying to blast through the outer door 
The gears strain as Roken tries to open the roof door. Haja is underwhelmed and asks if he tried going into the vents, but Roken's too big. Leia's going to need a ladder. Obi-Wan tells him to do as she asks because he trusts her. Obi-Wan tells her to be careful. He asks Haja to keep his eye on her, but he's no babysitter. Obi-Wan's calm beeps and he has to go. And Leia climbs a ladder and enters the vent to the server room. Obi-Wan plays a hollow message from Bail Organa, who, uh, though they promise not to communicate, is worried by Obi-Wan's silence. If he doesn't hear from him soon, Bail will head to Tatooine to help Owen with Luke. And all of this certainly coming back into play late in the episode. Tala arrives right after the message ends. So are you clear that Tala did not see it? She reflects on her past being part of uh, the Empire. She was following orders on Garel, you know, roughing up folks for the Empire who were no good nicks. Turns out the Empire lied. Uh, they were actually after four Force-sensitive families. Tala shows that she has on the interior of her holster uh, some notches. Those are representing the people that she has safely gotten through. So Pete kind of a... Uh, positive reverse on the the western standard you know notches in the belt for kills and she tells uh obi-wan that he was right that you can't forget but you can fight to make it better um roken tells them they're in trouble and he doesn't know how long the door will hold obi-wan will slow them down by talking to reva and he uses the force to sense through the door and she tells him stalling won't work. He asks how she knew who Anakin was because Vader would have kept it hidden. And she's too young to have known him unless, unless... Unless, Pete, the big story loophole that people have pointed out for up to three or four weeks that how could she possibly know these things? It's proof that Kathleen Kennedy doesn't know star Wars unless they're going to resolve it in this episode. Unless Reva was a youngling, the night of order 66, she must have seen Anakin killing the younglings in the present day. She stops uh, Kenobi Reva does and flashes back to her younger self. Uh, indeed seeing Anakin with those clone troopers entering the temple she thought that he was there to help, but she was too weak to do anything when she realized that, that was not the case. Uh, grimly, she played dead. She hid with the bodies, feeling them go cold. Pete, show not tell is the rule, usually. This is better as tell not show, um, because I, I have goosebumps right now imagining it, and imagining it is worse than what it would appear to be on screen. Uh, just you know, an excellent... Excellent choice there of presentation. Her only family was slaughtered by Anakin. And it's at this point that Kenobi realizes that she, Reva, is not serving Vader. She actually has been hunting him. And they want the same thing. They want Anakin dead. Uh, or, or is that what they want? Reva asks, where was Kenobi during Order 66? A reminder, Pete, that there's plenty of blame to go around here for even some of our most 
revered Star Wars characters like Yoda and Obi-Wan Kenobi. There's been people who have pointed to this, like, how did she not know that he was off tracking down General Grievous? Um, let me explain that to you. They don't tell every youngling, ah, oh, yes, uh, Obi-Wan has reached Utapau and is now fighting General Grievous. The, the war will be over in moments, children. Are there really, and, and Pete, I, I, this is not a bit here. Are there, there really are. people? There, there, there is, a, there is uh, one particular commenter, Matt. I will neither name this person nor their channel or anything about them, hmm. but it was all part of false outrage. Uh, they must know this. No, this little girl uh, who thought uh, one of the greatest Jedi who uh, is on the council, Matt, but we do not award him the, the role of master, uh, was there to save him, doesn't know that Obi-Wan wasn't, you know, off finishing the Clone War, but instead, uh, you know, was, was ducking his responsibilities or, um, you know, uh, flaked or was a coward or anything. It is a believable story from her perspective. Why did your apprentice turn on us? You failed. And you failed me. And that, as the largest point, is, is the most important one. You know, to anybody who thinks that Obi-Wan Kenobi is the star of Reva's Star Wars experience, <laughs> which is different than what we get in the movies, like, come on. Um I mean, what were they were they going to call this Reva, the third sister? And then, oh, my God, it's an Obi-Wan series. Like, yeah, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. She is the second build star Moses Ingram. Uh, she's a star, by the way. Uh, just wait till we talk about the fight here in a little bit. All right. But though we kind of saw this coming, it's still satisfying to have it spelled out for us on screen. And it helps. I mean, the questions that she has. Uh, which again, I think are legit. You know, could 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 Kenobi and Yoda have done it over again? They may have, you know, saved the universe from a generation, saved the the galaxy from a generation of, you know, empire control and all that. Um, it it serves to remind us what fuels Riva, and in fact, it has helped make her so independent. She doesn't need Kenobi's help. She doesn't need anyone after that experience she says that she can do a lot alone it's at this point she puts her saber through the door narrowly missing uh, our star uh, and rather quickly opens it uh, a reminder of her power that she's yes she's been listening but she's also you know simultaneously been the cat toying with the mouse uh kenobi force pushes her away from that open door and now it's big battle time Yes, tells everyone to fall back to second position, and Reva orders the troops into the breach. Uh, Haja, meanwhile, tells Leia to hurry. Uh, and in the retreat here, uh, Obi-Wan helps a woman up, and then Tala is hit. And because the troops stream past uh, Tala, who is already down, Obi-Wan can't get to her. It's Ned B who comes between her and the blaster fire, sacrificing himself shades of Rogue One, Matt, with K2SO to shield her. Um, 
and then she produces a thermal detonator shooting the door to block Obi-Wan from coming to rescue her in what would have been a futile gesture and setting off the explosive. That may impact the possibility of a Marvel Comics sequel series, but time will tell on that. Sometimes in Star Wars, things do come to an end. Uh, On the other side of the now sealed, shall we say, inner door, uh, Kenobi is emotionally crushed. Uh, And are they getting close to leaving? Leia is still working on it. We go back to Vader's ship where he is watching. He's told that the uh, interior walls are, are, are almost breached. Uh, however, he, Vader, orders a stand down because Kenobi is theirs. We go back to a flashback again, you know, directly tying in two story points, but well-timed nonetheless. Uh, in the flashback, Kenobi is backed into a corner. You can see what they're doing there. Uh, the impulsive Anakin uh, thinking that he has beaten him. Uh, Kenobi realizes, however, that he's in uh, a corner again. He, he's ready to go back. Uh, and, and that's true for the present time as well, as Roken thinks uh, that this would all be for nothing. Uh, Haja is surprised that Kenobi's going to give in. Uh, this is when the blaster uh, and some other particulars, including the comm link, are handed uh, over. And his lightsaber. Indeed. Uh, Pete, is it here the where the com- life yeah. right there. Is it here where the comm link is dropped, or is that in a little bit? No, later on, but he passes it to him here, that old-style circular comm device, um, telling Haja to look out for Leia. Roken asks Obi-Wan how he'll fight without a weapon, and Obi-Wan says there are other ways. As the stormtroopers clear the bodies from the explosion, Obi-Wan comes out the door and surrenders. Meanwhile, Leia closes in on the fix and Lola lurks behind the wires. Obi-Wan is brought before Reva, who tells her uh, troopers to inform Vader they have him. They kneel him down and he tells her she's not bringing Obi-Wan to Vader. He's bringing Vader to her he tells her there are families and children there and asks her if she'll let vader do what he did to her again they could end it together she asks obi-wan why he thinks vader won't see her revenge coming and he tells her all vader will see is him she has the troops bring him back inside And then we return to that flashback where Obi-Wan works his way out of the corner, but Anakin disarms him of his lightsaber and Obi-Wan counsels him that his need for victory blinds him. Back in the present day, Vader has arrived at the door. He's ready to get Kenobi, uh, who is further inside, but making his way back in. Uh, Leia has finally found the... (laughs) Hopefully named Red Breaker. It's been repeated a number of times. And once we see it, we say, ah, that's the Red Breaker. Uh, Indeed, Lola has found her. Wait, is that a restraining bolt? Luckily, it flicks away pretty easily. Pete, not like those ones that they use like 10 years from now on protocol droids that are really difficult to get off. 
Um, even the ones they put on R2 units. No, this is one that a 10 year old girl could flick away. <laughs> um, eyes go from red to a, a whitish blue. So we know everything is okay. Vader is now officially inside the base. Uh, we have Lola now helping the Red Breaker formally plugged in. There is a happy beep. That may even be in the subtitles. Happy beep. That makes me happy, Pete. We're making progress. Quick, everyone into the transport. Uh, and and we see some so- shots of Kenobi, but but not Tala. There's sadness. This is where Haja drops the communicator. Ah, uh, yes. Um, Vader makes his way deeper and deeper here. Pete, looks like they built some actual physical sets here um and he arrives just as the transport launches ah pete it's another one of those last minute just just missed you star wars moments uh but no he pulls it back pulls it back pulls it down pulls uh, it apart <laughs> yeah this is an you know once the ship is down not just like pop the door off like crunch pulling off the side of it it is an amazing scene clearly they wanted to evoke the savagery of vader's appearance at the end of rogue one um and boy is it here we'll talk when we look at theories matt that he didn't sense that obi-wan was not on or that no one other than a pilot if it wasn't on some sort of autopilot to take off in the first one and that they ran this gambit but again where does story work within characterization? What were we just told, Matt, by Obi-Wan Kenobi? He won't, uh, you know, do anything but fixate on me and his need for victory blinds him. So again, there are people like, why he no pull the other one down? Well, if you run your subtitles or if you listen, you hear Vader strain as he's pulling it down. Okay. And uh, maybe he needs a little bit of a recharge. He didn't pull uh, Princess Leia's ship back into the other ship it was undocking from in Rogue One. And everybody was like, oh, that tracks. So why can't he use it here? And the other one, it's a shell game, manages to get away just a little too quickly. Hey, why is it that on the Death Star, when they were like, hey, there's been an analysis, this attack could blow us up. Why didn't they say, hey, TIE fighter guy, crash your ship into that hole, the end. Uh, Because it's Star Wars, because it's fantasy sci-fi. TIE fighter guy? No, like what I'm saying, they they could have had somebody scuttle a ship right in the opening there, and now there wouldn't have been the end of the movie, is my point. Star Wars exists in a world where sometimes convenient things happen for the purposes of larger story flourish. It's it's nowhere near the genre of realistic fiction, so you can't judge it for like, well, Vader pulls one and not the other. Yeah, I mean, the story gives, gives suggestion as to why, but the other ship also takes off because it takes off much faster because the first one was a decoy like it's all there you just the people should not complain pete uh the the flashback flashes back as kenobi now steals anakin's lightsaber kenobi says that anakin is a great warrior but anakin's need to prove himself uh continues to get him into trouble uh thus still a padawan we go back to the present day where vader is reflecting Reva approaching from behind, ready to strike. Uh, and something that I can't believe I 
guess I haven't seen in Star Wars before that he just force stops her blade, which is another amazing visual. We've since seen Kylo Ren and Rey do this to stop each other from moving their blades. Um, it all tracks telekinesis. You can get people to do this. What's impressive about Vader is he doesn't even need to initially turn around to get her to stop. Hence the force, right? A force to keep people from doing things or to force them to do it. Uh, and then a really impressive display here, but not before telling her uh, that Obi-Wan was wise to use her against Vader. Um, he uses the force here and really nonchalantly dodges her attacks. It's great. Um, ultimately, she ignites both ends of her dual saber and then spins them, though she's pushed. And then Vader slows the helicopter blade, taking it from her and separating them to keep one and throws her the other unlit hilt uh, so that she might pick it up and attack him. Yeah, and I mean, just excellent fight choreography there because it is clear he is toying with her uh, the entire time. Um, with each one now having a saber, they battle battle equally uh, for a moment. It appears he loses his. Um, and as he approaches her, she looks up, remembering the night of Order 66. Uh, to this point, shockingly, he stabs her, uh, as he almost would have that night. He asks her if uh, she really believes that he didn't see it, her plan, and he calls her youngling. Uh, he says that she is of no further use. And, oh, by the way, Pete, the OG Grand Inquisitor is back. <laughs> That's right. Timeline is fixed. If you've seen Rebels, you know, like, hey, it's not that they don't know. It's that if you were in the know to know that the same Grand Inquisitor is still Grand Inquisitor in, what is it, six years later, you know, in the Star Wars yeah. Rebels times, then you saw this coming. And if you didn't, then that's when you go, Oh man, how could he possibly have lived? Wait, the dialogue of the next moment, things like revenge does wonderful things for the will. Mm -hmm. uh, this was all part of the evil plan all along, which yeah. is tragic it, and wonderful. In a universe where lightsabers cauterize immediately and Darth Maul could somehow come back uh, and get, you know, Forrest Gump, uh, Lieutenant Dan robot legs. So uh, it, it all tracks, it all works. And uh, those that had a mini or even a massive freak out when it appeared he died in uh, part two, that relax, this was always going to be the case. Um, the Grand Inquisitor tells her that her rage was useful, but is now tiresome. And they leave her, uh, Vader, Grand Inquisitor and the Stormtroopers uh, and they'll leave her where they found her in the gutter where she belongs as I had said in yesterday's Ms. Marvel podcast I don't know why six episodes is the magic number for a lot of Disney Plus stuff but I know this when you're only dealing with six episodes mistakes like oh man we didn't know the Grand Inquisitor actually is dead later on or is alive later on mistakes like that don't get made um it's just as simple as that there, there's only so many episodes to 
lose, you know, to not lose track of things. Uh, we go back to the escape ship. Successful escape. The ship does kind of stutter for a moment, but they're still free. That's when Roken quietly tells Kenobi, by the way, the hyperdrive is down. And I was getting this sinking feeling like, oh man, we are rolling into one heck of a finale uh, because if the hyperdrive is down and the Star Destroyer is still out there, you know, and there's not a lot of time left for this episode, we're gearing up for something big. Reva reaches for her saber and finds Obi-Wan's comlink. Obi-Wan, meanwhile, senses this, that something's wrong. And Reva plays the recording that's kind of distorted because the comlink's been smashed or stepped on, hearing a message about the children from Bail Organa, who's planning to go to Tatooine to help her old friend Owen with a boy. Pete, didn't Reva meet an Owen who said his name was Owen? Her old friend. There you go. Also, the the break in the tr- in the communicator here. Who is that man? I can't quite see his face, but I hear the voice and so forth. And if that's not all deliciously dark enough, Pete, we cut to a desert planet. Looks kind of familiar. A moisture farm. Looks even more familiar as young Luke Skywalker sleeps to end the episode. Time to comb the desert for some clues. Pete, first theory here. Will we return to Tatooine? Of course we will. Will we see Leia getting successfully back to Alderaan? Or are we just moving away from that corner of the story? I mean, I think we've opened up a situation. Potentially, Leia and Luke could be around one another, if not interact. The misdirect of, hey, we're going to show you in the trailers that Obi-Wan's watching out over Luke and everybody expecting that there. And we're going to completely hide the Princess Leia twist has has now fully paid off. I think it really comes down to leaving Reva alive is a dramatic mistake, if a tactical one. Um Again, they left the Grand Inquisitor for dead and surprise, I lived. Um, But now that she has this intel and what she'll possibly do with it, does this twist her plan? Owen, the child, I will go and attempt to murder them. Is it something? I mean, I think we're past the pale on her trying to curry favor again. They've left her for dead. So it's not as if she's going to go to the empire with this um, information. So, you know, whatever's going to happen in this finale, it's going to change the way that we look at the original star Wars because of the actions of Reva, the third sister. I'll add to it. I think, you know, if we rewind to the writer's room, taking the Kenobi film script and expanding it and figuring out where the breaks are and so forth. um, I'm glad we're not headed into a part six finale saying, will they rescue Princess Leia? Because I know how this thing ends. Now, they are putting Luke in danger, and I know how that's going to end too, in that he's not going to get, you know, offed here. 
But I think the fact that now kind of the storm has turned from Leia back to Luke, back to the expectation, which was subverted in the first episode. Fine, I know how the story ends insofar as Luke's end. Um, I know that Leia will get back to Alderaan and so forth. The journey is now the mystery. Um, whereas I think, again, with Leia, you know, there's, there's less mystery now in terms of like she's been rescued from the worst fortress that one could possibly imagine aside from Darth Vader's house. Uh, you know, th there's less dramatic impetus there relative to Luke. And, you know, I don't know what to expect next week other than Luke is okay and Kenobi goes back to watching him. Beyond that, you know, it could be a 40 minute or it could be an 80 minute or bring it on <laughs> we want to know what happens to reva will she in some way sacrifice herself you have to expect there's going to be some other form of meeting between obi-wan and vader hence complication hyperdrive down chase drama etc etc and how is that going to happen i mean all the words matt from the original Star Wars still matter. Oh, I feel a presence, one I've not felt ever since. He didn't need to say nine years ago when uh, we went through that whole thing with uh, what we thought at the time was, you know, a, a minor politician's daughter wrapped up with, uh, you know, my former master who uh, you know, I thought was dead. Is is he going to be faked out here, Vader, uh, to, to think that Obi-Wan is dead? Um, you know, there's a lot of different ways they can go. Um, you know, will Leia... So Leia has heard Obi-Wan, but she's also heard Ben Kenobi. Um, and she is a 10-year-old girl. And Matt, I don't know if you've ever been around 10-year-old children... They don't always understand this person's full name, that person's full name. So it is believable because she recognizes Ben Kenobi when uh, Luke comes to rescue her. Oh, Ben Kenobi's here. Let's go. Let's go. Why didn't you say so? Um, but not Obi-Wan Kenobi when she puts the, uh, the message in R2-D2. So brothers, some way that it matters. Uh, you know, everything that this writer's room has given us has has paid off well. Um, and again, has some story, dramatic or characterization level at which it's made to work. So rather than, you know, fire up your YouTubes and complain, oh, my God, you know, they killed this character that's on a cartoon later. Um, just. They seem to watch every week, Matt. I, I don't get it. Like, they're, they're full of complaints, but they watch every week and they pay for subscriptions. So I don't know that they understand boycotting or anger or uh, instead they're trying to get their, their algorithm uh, monetized. Part of what I think is so impressive about this series is they've clearly looked at kind of the original george lucas mandate in terms of the, the lived in storied universe where maybe every last thing has not been charted out but you sit and go 
oh, the Senate has been suspended. The last vestiges of the old way are now gone. And you go, oh, there's a history to this place. I, I don't know what it means. I don't know that George Lucas knew what that meant uh, in, you know, in filming in 1976, 1977. But it just gives you this sense of the old and the new. Mm-hmm. And, and to have found enough kind of, uh, you, you know, coat hangers, story coat hangers, if you will, story hooks to put together a story that fits perfectly, as you're saying with the Obi-Wan Kenobi versus Ben Kenobi, things like that. All due respect to Star Trek to think that the original season of Discovery is like, hey, there's passing reference made to a war 10 years prior, um, but it's so minor that it's not even in like the the Star Wars chronology, uh, pardon me, the Star Trek chronology books um we're gonna turn into the biggest thing ever like don't get me wrong that worked for a season of discovery is great and so forth but it maybe wasn't fully tuned into the sense memory of like the things that happened before classic trek versus this there's the lived-in history of star wars and they are really kind of reveling in that history and finding these little areas where george left doors open uh either intentionally or or accidentally and making it fully fit into what's already there. So you mentioned when we did the recap that when Reva is stabbed, she imagines what that would have been like when she was a child. She also tells us she played dead and that she felt the other uh, younglings go cold and that, that she hid that way. I read it, Matt. I mean, she was locking eyes with Vader that she did get stabbed and that it wasn't mortal. We've established Grand Inquisitor. We know that she's going to live to at least the next episode to bring some closure here. So somehow she had survived his, uh, you know, attack uh, when when she had been stabbed. I think that the camera visuals suggest that what you're saying could be true. I think that the camera visuals, I kind of took it a bit more as an emotional thing. Like when he turns and looks at her, it's not that he has said, ah, it is you and you are the next to be, to be stabbed. And let's not leave out too that a, that a child in this attack would be a reliable narrator given the trauma uh, Peter, you're saying that uh, many of the truths we cling to depend mainly on our point of view. <laughs> yes, but but I mean, uh, to your point, I would say again, there can be artistry in how it is presented, and it can be intentionally vague, and it can work multiple ways without there being the solid answer. And that is part and parcel with Star Wars, where there is that you know they leave flexibility for other people to come along and use. Um, I think when they do it too much, like, you know, the last Jedi is going to unearth, I don't know, the metal fuzzy dice because it's going to show up in the next movie. Solo, a Star Wars story like you could do it too much. But here, here, it just here it works because Pete, we're living in this. There's been this great fine tuning of Star Wars and things are things are amazing right now. Well, we'll make our ironclad predictions in a moment, Matt. But I'll ask you first, how is your. Arabesh. Uh, I mean, about as good as anybody else who grew up playing Star Wars Monopoly <laughs> and realizing that, uh, you know, 
$100 can also be spelled out with a little Orabash translation card. So uh, you read the graffiti then and, and you saw what's on there. Uh, Pete, I would say I have passing familiarity with it. For those who are not fluent in Arabesh, why don't you why don't you explain it to them? You know, not for me, for, for them. So it's uh, partially obscured, but it says "May the Force be with you." There are names. We see the name Corwin, Tiberius. We see a name uh, Dijin Altus. Uh, there is, of course, the message that uh, Obi-Wan uh, reads, the light phase, but is never forgotten. But there are uh, random pieces. One says strength. And then, interestingly, towards the finale, one in the top left corner says there is no death. Well, I'd like to focus on the Tiberius thing and say confirmed Star Wars and Star Trek exist kind of concurrently. Um, and then, and then, it's it's a it's a Patton Oswalt part two. Absolutely, <laughs> James Tiberius Kirk <laughs> swoops and, in in a shuttlecraft, <laughs> and the grizzled visage of of uh, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine suddenly <laughs> snicks through the sand. Um, Buck Rogers. Hand <laughs> emerges from the Sarlacc pit. Pete, you have, and to be a bit more serious, you have reminded me that there have been multiple episodes in this series that have had me say, oh man, uh, the Qui-Gon Jinn cameo is going to happen next week. Here we are with no more weeks left. If they're going to do it, next week would be the time to do it. You've done the flashback could there be another flashback using hayden christensen um i simultaneously hope yes and no i would like to see a, a throwdown with vader to the point where he is damaged and we can see hayden christensen's uh face beneath i think that'd be you know earned and a lot of fun um, obviously what happens to Reva now, and again, arc of character, Matt, you know, all those people that, uh, said, and even worse, sent horrible things to Moses Ingram, um, you know, better be eating it now after being made to eat it before that her characters come round about as, you know, we kind of had to expect, right? She wasn't going to be a, a two-dimensional, you know, mustache twirler. Um, you know, this is a full and complete satisfying character. Um, and, and to think that the events of at least the original Star Wars are going to greatly hinge on the actions she's going to take in this finale. Um you know, is is there an Ahsoka cameo in there? I still think uh, Liam Neeson's Qui-Gon Jinn makes the most sense. Uh, maybe some way of communicating that secret of maintaining your form from the great beyond that Yoda had picked up that we since saw Yoda, uh, you know, 
practice and, and get into uh, in the Clone Wars. So I think, you know, it's it's an even money bet at this point, apart from the fact that remember that Liam Neeson has now been publicly acknowledged to have recorded audio as Qui-Gon Jinn for the Tales of the Jedi animated series coming this fall. Well, you referenced the potential of a very damaged Vader in some sort of, you know, big, big battle here. Would that not be the perfect time where you can say there's Hayden Christensen's, you know, eye and part of his nose in the in the broken mask? Uh, I think I would argue that to get Qui-Gon Jinn to come back then. Now, yes, Hayden Christensen and. Um, oh, he would appear to Vader. Yeah, wow. that, that, that it could be some sort of midpoint story point between. You know, the, the uh, Qui-Gon sacrifice in Phantom Menace, obviously he did not then share the screen with Hayden Christensen, but did with the character of Anakin to think of the end point where, you know, they're all they're all living in Force Ghost Heaven or whatever that's supposed to look like. Um, I know that, of course, Qui-Gon is not in the Return of the Jedi, Force Ghost, uh, everybody take a bow scene, but, you know, kind of the notion that that's where they're all, that that's where they're all headed and whatnot. This could be a fun, this could be a fun way to get you know, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and Anakin all in the same scene and all the actors in the same place. We continue to have the question asked, is there a season two? I don't think they're going to leave us with any kind of cliffhanger. I certainly think they've left space if they want to come back to this. Hugh McGregor has expressed some interest in returning to it. Uh, they did have the largest premiere of anything ever on Disney Plus, and that was even with all of the anti-Moses Ingram uh, grossness that went on. So uh, perhaps she makes it through. Perhaps uh, there's a second season or you've heard some uh, chatter that maybe there could be uh, a little bit more Riva elsewhere. Yeah, I think, I, I think let's maintain the preciousness of these six episodes by not, you know, having the, you know, in the end go, you know, coming in two years, Kenobi season two. However, you could do a season two by another name, i.e. The book of Riva. Well, yes, exactly. That sort of thing. Whether it's Riva or somebody else to sit and go, here's a side sequel that, you know, in episodes three and four, they're in Tatooine and counsel is sought from, you know, that crazy old hermit, Ben Kenobi, and Ewan McGregor comes back again and all of that. I think that's a richer place to get story from versus like and let's do it all again because guess what there was another time that obi-wan kenobi had to leave and went on a star wars adventure like we've had it we can we can do it again in a different way but let's not do it again in the same way well if you think this is the last time vivian lira player is ever gonna play princess leia you got another thing coming i mean I totally agree. She's fantastic. I think that we're looking at Emmy nominees uh, from both Moses Ingram and uh, Vivian Lyra Blair. Both, you know, we'll we'll see when time comes. I'd have to double check on which end of the eligibility they are. So it might not be until summer 2023 that they might be eligible for nomination, but they're both fantastic. Time to dig out a communicator. Hopefully not broken one here, Matt. Here's what we heard from others. 
on Twitter, uh, people, Pete, I just went for a straight rating of the episode. Okay, four stars, three stars, two stars, and Cactus with Camel, which is the desert, which is, of course, sand, coarse, and so forth. So on the topic of coarse desert sand, got 1.8%. Two stars, 10.5%. Three stars, 10.5%, leading to four stars, 77.2% of people. In Twitter replies, we heard from uh, Noel Gardner, at Noel Camille, who said, Episode 5 being my favorite of all the Marvel Disney Plus shows uh, has now transferred to Star Wars. Uh, even though most had assumed Reva was the youngling from the Episode 1 opener, there was still drama and pain in the scene cutting back and forth. Vader just using the Force to fight Reva was disrespectful and amazing at the same time. How will the <laughs> show end? Will Obi-Wan have to stop Reva from revealing Luke on Tatooine? uh lmd mary that's at geek kirk said i think the biggest question for me is about reva like we know luke is fine we know leia gets home but will reva give up the hate and go good helping ben will she show up full of rage still to just try and get vader and the gi pete that of course uh, the grand inquisitor and uh mary says i need to know pete here's the answer we're gonna know next wednesday uh, moving on to Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo1983. Uh, another great episode. Even though Reva's backstory was expected, it was nice to hear. And the fact that she wanted revenge on Anakin made it even better. Vader is a bad man. Uh, him force holding that ship was awesome. I'm upset that there's only one episode left. We hear from Single Since Obama. That's at Kylie G328. Uh, great episode, but I am tired of main characters receiving the same laser blast and lightsaber trauma as stormtroopers and surviving long enough for one final act. Why even wear armor if regular cotton seems to keep you alive longer? <laughs> Pete, That look, I know there's like a story answer and there's woeful suspension and disbelief and all of that, but uh, I can't disagree with that complaint one iota. Listen, if only Tala had been on Tatooine... And they brought her to uh, the mod parlor and she got cool robot guts like Fennec Shand. I, I get it. There's times where they're dead. There's times where they're not. It, it kind of follows through to a lot of storytelling. It is not unique to the Star Wars universe or even any of these universes that we podcast. It's, it's done all over the place. Pete, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln, that's Tess LC 139 another great installment with the right amount of flashbacks to pepper the story soup. Ooh, I like that metaphor there. The, ra the, the, the raver, the Vader-Riva duel, which I guess could be raver, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, let me read what he wrote. The Vader-Riva duel was not fully unexpected, but still a nice surprise, and the true Grand Inquisitor reclaims his title, Revenge Does Wonders for the Will to Live a line that applies to many characters, not just in this episode, but across the Star Wars saga. Will Reva survive? What will she do with the knowledge from Bale's message? The anticipation for next week is uh, palpatinable. Which is, that, that's <laughs> nice. Well done, yeah. Uh, we hear from Strange New Tweets. That's K-C-L-Y-L-E-1 on Twitter. Reva being at that opening slaughter was no surprise. Seeing Vader skewer, uh, skewing her, yeah, I was surprised. But I don't think she'll die any more than the Grand Inquisitor. Love the action. Hate to see Tala go. Finally, some Luke. Curious to see how they're going to wrap it up. 
uh amc and coltonum says stellar episode of obi-wan i just love seeing the parallel story of obi-wan and anakin sparring in the past and obi-wan outsmarting anakin and then he does the same with escaping using a decoy simply brilliant looking forward to listening to the podcast we hear from darren bell that's darth Rasslin 79 uh a new favorite episode i really enjoyed the anakin obi-wan flashbacks the reva twist the best of all the vader scenes at the end this series has really done such an awesome job of showing us how powerful vader was and of course he said favorite with a ph and spider ham lincoln suggests in a reply that he really should have also said flashbacks with a ph <laughs> uh pete speaking Little of did we know matt <laughs> i know when somebody did it once and we called it out said yippee skippy uh pete snow goggles at snow goggles uh, is going to use the word final it's final with a ph uh the final episode only has one question as far as i'm concerned will there be a big cameo the big book of the grand inquisitor the chap book of ahsoka can't wait to see it <laughs> um and uh, darren bell replies with a uh with a gif gif of Cal Kestis from uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is a game I've played partway through, and I really need to get back there and finish it. Uh, we hear from Ben Larson. That's at Larson Ben. Uh, an amazing, maybe his real name is Obi-Wan. I don't know. An amazing hour of Star Wars. I've loved every minute of this show. The Vader-Riva duel was masterful, with Vader just toying with Riva, never out of control of the fight. And a nice twist on Riva's character, for those of us who had figured out that she was a youngling. Uh, but to turn it around and have her wanting to kill Anakin and not Obi-Wan, it was a very nice switch up. Can't wait to Wednesday for the finale and hoping uh, it is a season, not series finale. Uh, those finales with a PH. Lastly, Pete, we hear from John Calabrese. That's at WM Lawman. Uh, best episode yet. It made me excited for the last one. One thing does bother me, though. The Grand Inquisitor talking about revenge, helping with the will to live. Then not making sure Revo was completely dead seems too convenient, but still a great episode. Uh, Pete, like uh, Single Since Obama's comment from before, I can tell you why it's okay to ignore this from a story perspective, but I can't argue with John's logic there. You you can't, but again, do you expect them to kill her and she doesn't appear in the finale? Like, no. I, I just don't understand why people would yell at a screen, don't! don't leave her you know this this is done all the time in james bond movies okay they, they tell a plan and you know it's it's stupid to do it but we still buy it there right so like why can't this be a trope and an acceptable one at that and, and to be clear i think you're commenting on fan feedback in general not specifically to john's comment here oh yeah 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 Pete, what feedback do you have? On the Fantastic Geek Facebook page, Matt, Steve Adams writes in, Episode 5 of Kenobi was incredible. It's great to see Obi-Wan getting his, uh, never mind. Seriously, I think he was going to say groove back. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, this dish was overflowing with meaty goodness. We finally learn about Reva's motivations. Leia saved Lola. Thank goodness. And as always, Vader steals the show. The best part about Darth Vader comics is that we get to see just how powerful Vader can be. Now, for the first time, we get to see it in a live action setting. It was literally frightening uh, to see what he could do with so little effort. 
but it seems the writers are determined to have some kind of interaction between Luke, Leia, and Vader. Don't do it, writers. Resist the pull to the dark side. There is so much other space to play in. We don't need to infringe on what little fixed story points we do have. Anyway, I cannot wait to see next week's finale. Until then, stay fantastic. And he spelled it with the PH. This show has been so great at being respectful but not reverential of the the story space that they're in. I think I could make an argument for a really great Vader, Luke, Leia, ships passing in the night thing. That's an uber commentary on the the you know the the, the lack of parenting and family and all of that. I also think. It could be, oh, will the ships collide? Oh, it's all, well, I know they're not going to actually meet, but uh, I think I think there's a, there's a bad way to do it and a good way to do it. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if they go for it and how effective it is uh, in next week's episode. You know, time will tell. With that, Pete, let's now go to our own Grand Inquisitor, Fred from the Netherlands. Hello, Matt and Pete and all listeners to Fantastic Geek. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Obi-Wan Kenobi Season 1, Episode 5. I graded this episode with an 8 on IMDb, a little less than the four previous ones who all got a 9. So what's the reason this one gets a little less uh, from me than the other ones? And that's mainly because I think the story was a little too predictable although the previous one also had the element of getting into a empire stronghold with a small group of jedi or people and still being able to get out also that was a classic star wars story on the other hand that is what we like so i shouldn't complain too much about that either nice to see young anakin here in these flashbacks of Obi-Wan as well as Darth Vader, really in a role as we know him, with his anger and etc. The death of Tala was one of the predictable elements as well. Very brave of her, of course, etc. etc. But as soon as I saw her character appear in this series, I thought, okay, that could be a red shirt. But that judgment isn't fair because she has much more character development and a bigger role than the simple Star Trek red shirt. Nice opportunity of this series to connect to the raid on Uncle Ben's farm. I think this series does a very nice job in filling in some minor gaps from the past or major gaps sometimes even and using that and doing that in a good canon way. Okay, that will be all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. Wisdom, as always, from Fred there. Pete, something I'd like to zero in on that Fred had uh, Fred had discussed, this notion of Tala. I know he said a red shirt, then he kind of walked that back a bit, given that she had some, some solid character development. Uh, overall, I think that Fred really has a, has a wise take, and let me tell you why. We know so much about this series uh, and we had known so much about it prior to its starting which is to say obi-wan kenobi is not really at risk for the entire six episodes nor is luke nor leia nor uncle ben nor aunt beru and so forth so i think that 
um, it's it's a heads up observation on Fred's part uh, to kind of identify that Tala on a certain level was perhaps marked all along for death, given that someone has to pay a price over the course of these six episodes. And uh, unfortunately, it's been Tala. I know the jury is still out for Reva. And obviously, we had discussed earlier in the podcast, you know, what possibility is there of a redemptive arc for Reva, that sort of thing. Does she continue behind the scenes? Certainly, we'll find out next week. But uh, likely curtains here for Tala, unfortunately, as part five draws to a close. Just want to give a quick shout out to all our patrons to patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Your contributions have been immeasurable for (laughs) always. And in particular now, as we seem to be burning through bandwidth at a record rate, even for us. Yeah, very, very much appreciated, uh, particularly at this, uh, this time of a busy busy june something tells me august is going to be possibly almost as busy we'll see what the star trek schedule shakes out to be but uh, that support always always appreciated each and every week we say it but it really is a badge of honor to know that we are listener supported and that help really is uh really is so appreciated pete let's keep the star wars conversation going how can people be in touch with you you can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,567 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter, is looking back lost. Do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek with the P and the H like it today. Pete, looking there on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Again, a reminder, we'll be talking Star Trek Strange New Worlds tomorrow. Uh, And barring any earth-shattering news, we'll be back uh, next uh, Friday for Marvel Friday to talk Ms. Marvel, Star Wars Saturday for the end of Kenobi, uh, and then uh, Star Trek Sunday uh, a week and a day from now. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Are you listening to me? I feel like you're not listening to me.